Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. God has just gripped my heart about this thing about a legacy. And as I've dwelled in it and thought about it and studied it, I've just been seeing it everywhere in the Bible. It is everywhere. And I've understood this principle that every single one of us receives a legacy, whether we like it or not. We all get a legacy. Some of our legacies that we've received have been great. Others have not been so great at all. Some of you, you've had a terrible legacy. And you know, here's the thing. You can't change what you've been given. But what you can do something about is the legacy that you're going to live and the legacy that you're going to leave. And I love that this theme of reach and reproduce that this church has for this year going forward, that there's a sense of, man, you know what? We can influence our future. There are people out there that need to know Jesus and the way that we live our lives today can determine we can reproduce, we can leave a legacy that is gonna impact not just our city, but beyond. Legacy living is something that God, I believe, wants every single one of us to get, to understand, and to seek to live a legacy that is good, that is God, and that is great. Three things, a legacy that is good, God, and great. And as I say, I'm determined and in my remaining years, whatever that might be, I say, God, I wanna leave a great, good, godly legacy. I wanna be someone, Lord God, that doesn't just live for me, but I actually choose to live beyond me. Because living a legacy life isn't just about you. Because a legacy is something that you hand on to someone else. A legacy isn't for self-consumption. A legacy is something that you hand on, something that you give away, something that others benefit from. I hope that you realize that what's happening here in this room, in this church right now, as it is in our church and many other churches, it's not just for those that are in the building right now. There's something else that God is doing. He's seeing what we don't even see yet. He's seeing faces, people. He's seeing, he's seeing situations, he's seeing buildings, he's seeing influence, he's seeing ministries, he's seeing all kinds of things that are going on. And he says, man, guys, do you see what I see? Do you see the legacy that I want you to be living in and leaving? And the ultimate example of this legacy living is Jesus himself. Because Jesus has left us this incredible legacy. It says, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He looked through it. He saw something into the future. He saw your legacy and he said, man, I'm going to the cross for that. A legacy that is good, God, and great. And part of what I want to do this morning is look at an account that we know well from Luke chapter 15, the story of the lost son. And I've simply entitled my message this morning, Legacy Lost or found. Legacy lost or found. And so I want you to turn me to Luke chapter 15. It'll be up on the screens as well. We're going to pick it up in verse 11. And I'm going to extract some thoughts and maybe just bring a little different twist to this account that'll help you understand what is this legacy life and how do we live it that God wants to. And this is the dominant thought that I want you to get out of this morning. It's this, is that God is more committed to your legacy living than you are. God is more committed to you living a legacy life 
than you are. He's more committed to me living a legacy life than I am. And that thought, if you get it this morning, is going to inspire you and enable you to live that legacy that is good, God, and great. And so Luke, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued from what he was saying before. Did you get that? It's deep theology. I'm just unpacking the word of God for you. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. And he set off from a distant country and there squandered his wealth on wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. Won't you say in need? And so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. And when he came near the house and heard music and dancing, he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, and so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, and yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What an incredible parable. What an incredible account that Jesus gives here. And here we see the son asking his father for his share of the inheritance, his share of the legacy that his dad had, was, had worked hard for and had set up for him and his brother. And he asked him for his share of his legacy and he wants it now. And I want you to understand the significance of this moment because in the culture of that time, that was a real affront. That was something that you just didn't do. Because the legacy was something that the father handed on to the son once he died. Not something that you took while the father was alive. Essentially what the son was saying to the father was, I wish that you were dead. Because I want my inheritance. And I want it now. And the father 
could have had every right culturally. If a son was to have done that, this is typically what the father would have done, is that he would have slapped the son across the face and banished him from his home. The culture of that day would have said, that is legitimate. That is the right thing to do. That is the thing, a son to come and ask the father for his legacy, for his inheritance like that while you're still alive. He says, you've got every right as a father to do that. I love this account because there's just so much in that that I think is reflective of our culture today, even in our churches. In verse 12, the younger son actually says, give me my share of the inheritance. Give me my share of the estate. Give me my share of the legacy. You see, he knew he had a legacy. He knew he had an inheritance but he wanted it for his purposes. How many of us are sitting in churches hearing the word of God week in and week out? Hearing preaching, inspiring preaching, hearing about the plans and the purposes that God has for us. And it's like we're being like the son. We say, yes, I know I've got an inheritance, but I want my legacy because <laughs> I want to use it my way. The father never, never intended it to be used his way. He says, I'm working. And the son said, no, no, no. I want my inheritance. Living for self is one of the greatest killers to legacy living. Yeah. If you're going to be someone that's going to reach and reproduce, you're going to have to deal with this thing of self. You've got to understand that you cannot reach and you cannot reproduce if you're living for self. Yeah. Living for self will destroy that vision. <laughs> but when you live for him... And his legacy, then all of a sudden you're empowered and enabled to do what you cannot do on your own. And I know that the greatest days of this church lie ahead of it. There's been incredible years and incredible things, and we had the privilege of being able to, for three of those years, to be part of this. And now we've sown our son. If you don't know, Dan, Dan McGaw is my son. That's right. Woo. I think he deserves more than just one person saying, woo. Yeah, Tony doubled it. He went, woohoo. <laughs> but the greatest years are still ahead. You know, the, the son was simply on about himself, his needs, his wants. And, and there was a self thing going on. But I love the father's response. Because even though culturally he could have actually have just slapped his son, banished him, said, no, I want nothing more to do with him. What does he do? It says here in this text that he actually gave the son what he requested. I said, God, just when I think I've got you figured out, you go do something like that. And what are you doing, God? He gives the son what he wanted. And see, to me, this speaks about how God operates is that in his wisdom, he's not this controlling, domineering, puppet-pulling God that we think he is sometimes, but he's a God who's actually given us free choice and free will. And that's the great mystery of the gospel, of this dynamic relationship between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man and how those two things work together. And so God has a plan for your life. He has a legacy that he wants you to walk into, but he says you've got to choose to walk into that legacy. There's decisions that you need to make today 
Because as I said, you may not be able to change where you've come from. You cannot change your past, but you can do a whole heap about how you're living today and how you're going to live tomorrow. You can do a whole heap about the kind of legacy that you're going to hand on to this generation and the generations to come. What do you see when you look around this place? Do you just see the people that are sitting around you? Or do you see generation after generation after generation after generation after generation? 80 years time when we're not even around anymore. There's something dynamic and incredible going on in this place. People getting saved, people loving on Jesus, the community being impacted, teams going out all around the city and around the world, just making a huge difference for Jesus. Do you see that? Because that's the thing that we can change. We can choose that. Reach and reproduce. You can choose that. Today. You can choose that today. You can say, today, that starts for me. I'm going to reach. I'm going to reproduce. I don't quite know how, but I'm making a decision today that it starts. Free choice. It's one of the most incredible aspects of the gospel. He's given you free choice to choose whether you're going to walk into the legacy that he has for your life or not. And what I, but yeah, this is what I love about God. Because <laughs> he gives us free choice, but it's not like, okay, just choose what you want to do. He says, choose what you want to do, but here's what I'm going to do as well. I'm going to make it easy for you to choose. And so Jesus goes to the cross for us. And does all these incredible things for us. And as I was just reflecting on all the amazing things that Jesus has done for us, he's, he's done, he's removed all these obstacles out of the way that make it easy for us to walk into a legacy life. He's removed our sin. It says that he's brought us back into relationship with God the Father. He removed the separation that there was. He's removed our past. We may not forget our past, but the sting of our past need not influence our future anymore. Because there's healing to be found and freedom to be found in Jesus. He's removed our fears. No longer does fear have to be your master and determine your present and your future. But we can have a hope and a joy that rises above that fear. In your hearts, do not fear, do not be frightened, but set apart Christ as Lord. That's what the Word of God says. Jesus did that for us. He's removed that obstacle. He secured our future. No longer do we have to second guess about where we're going to spend eternity. Jesus has made a way for us to know that we can spend it in heaven with God the Father for all of eternity. My future is secure. Our lack of power, our lack of an ability to live this legacy life. He says, don't worry about that. I've got just a thing. What I'm going to do, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and I'm going to give you a church. Brothers and sisters who together journey empowered by the Holy Spirit into the preferred future that God has for us. Church, please don't try and do your life alone. If you're not connected into a local house, this is an awesome church. If we weren't in Adelaide, and sorry, if we weren't in Canberra planning a church, we'd come here, and we did. Because it's God's plan, it's part of His strategy as to how you can actually embrace a legacy life. You've got to do it with others. You can't do it on your own. And you need the empowering presence of the Spirit of God as well. And He's given us an identity. Because very simply, when you know whose you are, then you know who you are. 
And I love that, that God wants us to choose Jesus every day. Because here's the thing, is that God in his eternal wisdom knows that what we choose, and I want you to listen to this, what we choose is what we will pursue. What you choose is what you're going to pursue. The son chose wild living and squandering his inheritance, and that's where he ended up. What you choose is what you will pursue. If you choose legacy living, you will pursue legacy living. If you choose Jesus, you will pursue Jesus. But if you choose self, you will pursue self. What you choose is what you will pursue. And God, in His wisdom, says, I want you to choose. Just like the Father, He says to the Son, I will give you what you've chosen. There's a risk with that. It's kind of a risky strategy because we see in the story is that the younger son we know says squandered his wealth and wild living. And what was driving his choice? Well, it was purely self. He was just looking not after his dad. He wasn't looking after his family. He wasn't thinking about his brother. He wasn't thinking about the servants in the house. He wasn't thinking about anyone but himself. And so there's a risk. It was unashamedly about him. But listen to what it says in verse 14, it says, after he had spent, what does it say? Everything. So literally, he goes over there and he blows it all. Every bit of good thing that his father left him, every bit of inheritance, he goes out and he just squanders it all. Reckless, self-living, he's just kind of doing it out there. There may be some of you here today that that's you. You can be sitting in church and that can still be you. You may not be living this kind of sinful life in a sense, but you're living for self. You're squandering the legacy that God has got for you, and you, 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 you're kind of at that place where, man, I've just done it all and everything. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm at anymore. I'm just in this place here this morning, and I don't even know how I got here. It says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. It's amazing. A famine, a lack of food, a lack of sustenance, a lack of what was needed, a lack of nourishment. That's what happens when you seek self all the time is that you end up in a famine place. You end up in a place where there's no nourishment. There's nothing that's gonna sustain you. That's not where God wants you to be. He is the bread of life. He wants you to feast on Him. He has a banquet table that He wants you to enjoy, but it's not found in the land of self. It's found in the land of legacy living. And it says this in that text, it says this, it says that uh, there was famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. The message trans, uh, version says this, he began to hurt. Oh, I love that. He began to hurt. Have any of you ever felt that kind of hurt in your heart? I have to be honest, there's times when I've hurt. It's coming in something on the inside and something's going on. Or I'm just like, God, I feel that hurt. I remember that feeling before I became a Christian as God was at work in my life and I'd met my wife and she wasn't my wife yet, but she was a believer and she was sharing the gospel with me and, and I was on this process and I remember those moments of hurts, just understanding I was hurting. I didn't even realize it beforehand, but I realized I was in need because sometimes we need to feel the pain to understand what we gain in Jesus. So I loved about spending time with Tony yesterday because he was just sharing his journey and was very real and transparent. And if you haven't listened to his message from last Sunday, I encourage you to download it and listen to it and share it with your friends because I believe there's some deep insights and reality and great theology in there. Well, I said to him yesterday, I said, man, I just, you've just, you just 
even more, you can just see that contentment he was talking about. You can just see Jesus is all over him. Because when you go through pain, you understand what you gain. When you go through difficulty, you understand what you have in Christ. And the son, it, it's, it's amazing, the son, out of desperation, ends up having to hire himself out. And he has to sell himself and ends up working on a pig farm, dirty, smelly, with the pigs. Just longing just to get something of what the pigs ate. That's how desperate he was. And yet no one was even going to give him that. And here's the other thing. He was a Jew. And he's working on a pig farm. Farming the very meat that he wasn't even allowed to eat. You see, that's what happens when you don't live a legacy life or when you live for self and you, and, you, and you live just for me is that you always end up compromising. You always end up selling out on something. And so here the son finds himself in this situation. But what I love about this is that Jesus loves it when we get to a place of real hunger and real thirst. And it says in verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Do you know your position outside of Jesus? Do you know where you are outside of Christ? Do you know your situation outside of him? Do you have an understanding of how much you have in him? And he says this, he says, I was starving to death. And listen to what he says, I will set out and I will go back to my father. And say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This is a very different son that was coming back from the son that left. The son that left was arrogant and said, yeah, give it all to me. I want it all. Oh, oh, oh yeah, give it all. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do it. Yeah, give it to me. And he got to the end of all of that and found that it wasn't cracked up what it, was, what it said it was. And life can be like that. It can promise so much and yet deliver so little. And he comes to this point where he realizes, man, I've got to go back to the Father. It's the Father that I need to go back to. And go back, Father, I'm not worthy. I don't even deserve to even be called your son. He came to his senses, it says. A sensible life is a God the Father focused life, a God the Father centered life. That's a sensible life. A sensible life is a life that's centered around Jesus and His plans and His purposes and His destiny. Reach and reproduce. That's a sensible life. God wants us to be living a sensible life. And the son was prepared to turn his back on the rights of sonship and simply become a servant He says, I've squandered it. There's nothing left of it. My legacy's gone. I'll just, I'll just be a servant in your house. I, I, I don't deserve it, but that's all I want to be. Even that would be an honor, he says. And in the book of Ephesians, if you want to know your position in Christ and what you have in Jesus, go meditate on the first three books of the book of Ephesians. 
and see how much the Bible has to say. It says things like this about the position that we have in Christ because we've got to understand how much we have in him, this incredible legacy that he's actually given us. It says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It says that he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. It says that he predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus. It says that we're recipients of his amazing grace through Jesus. It says that we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. It says he, he has made known to us the mystery of his will. It says we've been marked with a seal, the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. We have a hope, riches, and power in Jesus. We, have, we are his body, the church, who is the fullness of him in every way. It says we've been made alive in Christ. It says that we've been saved by grace. It says we've been raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places with him. It says that we are God's workmanship, created to do good works. It says that we've been brought near through the blood of Jesus. It says that through Him, we have access to the Father by the Spirit. It says that we're no longer aliens, but we are now God's people and members of His household. It says that we are together a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. It says we can approach God's throne of grace with freedom and confidence. It says that we are loved beyond measure. And that's just the first three chapters of Ephesians. The son squandered. He didn't realize what he had and he squandered it and he got to a point where he was in desperate need. He suddenly got it. I gave it all away. Don't be that person that squanders their legacy. The son owned what he had done and repented and humbled himself and was prepared to throw himself at the mercy of his father, but I love the father's response. Because the son sets out back to his father's home. And it says that in verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, my son, where's my son? Here he comes. Let's put, us, put, my hand, put your hands together for my real son. <laughs> Just using Dan for illustration purposes, he's not a prodigal. Now, I want to say that because I'm so proud of this young man. As his dad, I want to say I'm just really proud of him. I'm proud of what he's doing and the influence that he's having on a generation, him and the team that are working with him. But it says that the father just looks on the horizon and just sees his son. And it says, while he was a long way off, it says that the father saw him. It says that he was filled with compassion for him. And it says that he runs to his son. Take two. Come on, you guys have got to do better than the guys did in the earlier service. So it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. That's good. That's good. We're going to do it one more time. Because I reckon there's a little bit more enthusiasm in you guys. Because this is a special moment. I don't get to see Dan very often. It's kind of like a, one of those, you can hear the music playing and, oh. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And it says he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him. And he kissed him. 
Fathers get to do that. <laughs> I bought him new clothes. Come hold my hand. <laughs> I said to him, I said, mate, just remember that uh, you might be preaching on Friday. If you say anything about me, I'll get an opportunity to say it back to you. But the son was waiting. He was looking for his son to return and I love about this, does it, that he doesn't scold him, he doesn't rebuke him, he doesn't kind of say to him, you silly son, you went off and squandered everything, you went and just took my inheritance, you took the thing, you just did it all. He doesn't do that at all. In fact, he does exactly the opposite. He just catches a glimpse of him and he just does it. And I can imagine the son would have had his speech prepared. He would have kind of gone, I've got it all worked out. I know exactly what I'm gonna to say to my dad. I'm gonna explain it all. I've got all the reasoning. I've got all the rationale. I'm gonna explain. I've got three points. And on three points, I'm gonna come with a kicker statement that's gonna hopefully my Dad's going to let me be a servant in my house, in his house. But dad doesn't do that. He says to his servant, he says, hey, quickly, quickly come. Quickly, quick, 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 quick. Let's put our hands together for them. They're awesome. That's cool. Right there, that's great. Maybe a little bit that way so the camera can see it. That's good. Fantastic. Thank you. Put our hands together for them. Weren't they amazing servants? And he, and he says, he says, no, hang about. I want you to do a few things here because he says to the servant, says, well, oh, I've got some things. This is what I'm going to do. And this is the heart of God, the Father. He says, oh, oh, bring the new robe. He says, put the new robe on him. See, we went shopping yesterday. And uh, you want to turn around, Dan? Just look at the new robe. Isn't it pretty good? Winter Project. You need to be signing up for Winter Project. Parents, you need to sign your kids up for Winter Project today. Parents, you need to be signing your kids up for Winter Project today. <laughs> anyway, puts a new robe on him, looking good. He doesn't just do that. He says, man, no, I'm not just gonna give you a new robe, which is a sign of, of just acceptance and favour from me. He says, I wanna do something else. I wanna give you a ring. It's not what you think it is. All the youth kids are going, what is it, a ring? Shh. Gives him a ring a sign of the authority and welcoming back into the family. Yeah. And not only does he give him a ring, he says, I'm gonna give him sandals, modern day sandals. <laughs> Mikey sandals. He says, why? Because for a son to be barefoot, that was a servant. He says, you're not gonna be a servant in my house. You thought you were gonna be a servant. He says, I'm gonna do something else. I'm gonna give you sandals because you're not a servant, you're my son. Yes, you might have squandered something, but he says, I'm gonna restore something back here that is significant. And not only does he do that, but he gives him a fatted calf. We were considering getting a fatted calf and slaughtering it, and then I thought, probably doesn't go down too well in Adelaide. But a feast, a feast. And the feast was this thing of celebration and sustenance. 
And so here's the jacket, the sign of, yes, you're welcome to my household. Here's this ring, the sign of authority. Here's the shoes, which is a sign of God, of, of, of just saying the stature that he has. And here's this feast, which is the sign of my provision. And he says, hey, son, you thought you were gonna be just a slave in my house. He says, I'm gonna do something very, very different for you. I'm gonna celebrate now. Why? Because my son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. You see, God is more committed to our, de- our destiny and our legacy living than we are. The son didn't think he deserved it. And at one level, he was right. But God, the father looked at him and says, I know that you think that. I know that that could be justified, but this is what I'm gonna do as a loving father. I'm actually gonna give you all of these things that are assigned. Thanks, Dan. Let's put our hands together for Dan. He was dead, but now he's alive. Some of you may feel like that son here today. So you may not have gone off and lived wild living, but maybe you've lived for self, which is just as bad. And you might say, well, I don't know if I identify with the younger son. I'm not in there. There was another son in the story as well. And that's the older son. And the older son kind of hears what's going on with the father. He gets angry. And here's what happens with the younger son. He kind of goes, hey, dad, what's the go with this? You never have given me a feast, a party like that. I've been with you all these years. I've worked hard for you. You've never given me that. And the father's reply in verse 31 is simply this. My son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. It's yours already. See, the son was turning it into a performance-based thing. And God the Father, and the Father says to him, it's not about that. It's yours already. Just begin to live in it. For some of you here this morning, the, the legacy life, God wants to say to you this morning, you've got it already. Just begin to live in it. How come so-and-so's getting promoted? How come they're getting opportunity? How come they get to do that? How come they've been promoted to lead that ministry? How come they getting to do that kind of thing? How come they get to preach? How come they get to do this kind of thing? How come they get to be up on stage and lead people in worship? How come, how come, how come? Stop being the older brother and just begin to live in the inheritance that you have, the legacy that you have right now. Legacy living. Starts with a revelation of who we are in Him. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 